DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You springing for ESPN Plus to see BYU and Toledo? Are you skipping a game? Or you've got a plan B? I don't want to skip a game. So I'll figure out a way to do it. If, if it had to go to that, I would certainly do it. Because I feel like I need to for work. Uh, if I wasn't in the job, that'd be another story. Can you go somewhere and watch the game? Is this the kind of stuff that yeah, uh, restaurants and business? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> go to Yak. Hey, Yak. I'll fire up the Traeger. We'll make some ribs. Okay. You better have several Traegers because you're going to have 60,000 plus there. Okay. That can't handle that many. Hey, can the neighborhood handle the traffic? Can you call no, some, not my neighborhood. Can you call some cops, get some traffic control stuff going? You've, have you heard Hans Olsen complain about the cops in my area down there in Saratoga? Good luck. Come on over. Happy to have you have you over. I'm sure that the sports bars and etc. will figure it out and have it on their screens, though. Yeah, they want to make money. It's not that hard. There you go. It's just the principle of it. If if, if all the games were there, I would do it. Right. But they aren't all there yet, no, and it's I frustrating. Ever, I don't think they'll ever all be there. If they are, you're you're in danger. Well, even if even if a lot are there. Is yeah. this going to become more commonplace? Mm, I disagree. If people like Yach are, are able to hook it up in real numbers. I know right now, but I think that's where this is going. I don't. I think the ABC is, and Fox and CBS, 130 SEC Linear games, TV will always be a thing. They're gonna, they're I, I need, agree, but that's only, that that's only three or four that's games a, a day on each of it, yeah. right? Well, that's really all I want. I mean, how many games am I going to be well, able to watch? Well, if you want to see Arizona State be good enough and then you'll be on Fox 1, Fox 2, ESPN, ESPNU, ESPN 2, blah 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 blah. TBS for baseball, TB, TNT for basketball. Those they're not going anywhere. They'll always be there and they'll always be on my systems. And if I have to a la carte a couple of games, no problem. That's probably where this is headed. I don't know. carding some games. Yeah, no problem. But if that's where you can a la carte all your uh, Arizona Diamondback games and they have enough stuff you want, then you'll do it. Yeah. And that's what they're going to do is try and... That's the only reason why I have direct now. Stuff. Right. Or else I would get rid of it and just go with the one. And I need the Pac-12, so I got the Comcast, which I've paid for all the time. <laughs> and leave him alone at the beach. <laughs> We got a lot more people weighing in on the other question of the morning. We got a two-parter here. How would uh, BYU stack up in the Pac-12 now that you've seen them play a couple games and they're about to play a third? Uh, I think they would be dominant. <laughs> you do not. Well, that's what people hear, so I might as well say it. <laughs> that is what people hear, but there's no way that's what you think. I know you don't think that. <laughs> well, but if they're going to hear that I'm, and I'm going to get blasted for it, I might as well say it. At least get my money's worth. If it's any consolation now, I'm starting to get blasted for it, too. If you weren't with us in the 7 o'clock hour, PK and I agreed on a point, and then PK probably got blasted, and I got a pass. It was great. <laughs> I really see no competition for them. They'd go 12-0 and 0 in a nine-game league. <laughs> I think it's important for their program to be able to sell we can compete with these guys. Because you're going to have to get those types of guys to make your program better. You're always going to get the kids who dream of going to BYU. And I, and I think every program has that, maybe a little bit more. 
for BYU, I don't know. But I think there's kids who dreamed of playing for Washington. There's kids who dreamed for playing fill-in-the-blank. And so they want to go there, and they're going to go there because they grew up that, and you can't build a program off of those types of kids. But they can help you. But you have to be able to sell it. And BYU's best selling point right now is we play anybody. The, the thing about playing anybody where I think they've got to get away from, playing Toledo, eh, I'd much rather play Oregon State. So can you get more Mountain West yeah. and more Pac-12 teams? I would try as hard as I could. But you're limited because they have conferences. So you know, you, you're probably going to be able to schedule some of these other teams later. I understand all that. They're, they're doing the best they can with the scheduling. Uh, but I think it, for recruiting purposes, that win against SC goes a long way. And if they can follow it up, man, with a win against Washington, this would be the best season that they've had since Independence. It's not just total number of wins. It's who It's the number beating. of quality wins. Yeah. And if you beat at home, man, you might even get this. You might even actually have a sellout again. That hurt. <laughs> it wasn't sold out. I get it. I saw the empty seats, too. Not want, it hurts to speak truth, so I'm not going to oh, yeah. say it. I realize sometimes truth hurts, but that doesn't mean you don't say it. You don't, but other people... Sometimes avoid it. You thrive on it. Never. You, I thrive on the truth. Wow. That is so just edgy. That's a compliment. I know, but it shouldn't be. I get it. I, I understand what you're saying. I get it. And I'm saying it's But a it's, lot of people don't want to talk about that. It's a joke. Yeah, it wasn't sold out, but it was, it was over 50,000. It was fine. It, it was, was a great 60, crowd. 000, I mean, it yeah, fine. it was absolutely, but it just well, wasn't sold energy, out. The energy level of the people there was great. When you I, could, I was you could feel it. jacked almost on caffeine when I got out on the, on the floor, on the field. Yeah. But those are the types of games. And if they do this, Kalani walks in, extend me now, or I walk. <laughs> or he just walks anyway. Yeah, but this, so they Other still schools ex- come calling yeah, but they can big, do, you, big money. Yeah, it's two different things. We've seen True. that a thousand times it over. Is. They extend you, and then you still walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know how that works, but... I, I, I think they really need to, the last thing they need to do, and I'm, I'm writing about this this week, is the last thing they need is more uh, disruption and start over and go get some other assistant coach and let them train him up to be a head coach. I mean, there's only one guy right now that they can get who's a head coach, and that's uh, Jay, uh, Jay Hill. The rest of them, they're an NFL assistant, uh, a Utah assistant, and some guys of Virginia. Those would be your candidates for your head coaching job. That's it. And maybe uh, the kid, the guy from Stanford. Unless Niamatololo would want to come out, but it seemed like that it ship seems sailed. like ship, yeah, yeah. So Pac-12 coordinators. Niamatololo. NFL assistant. I understand he's a high-ranking religious leader, and, and now he's just basking in the fact that his kid got a scholarship at Utah and coaching at Navy. And it seems like that's a pretty good life. Uh, we got a guy here with an interesting question, kind of building off the question about the Pac-12. What's a tougher schedule? Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State, or Oregon State, UCLA, and Arizona? Uh, you know, that's right now. I, I get his point. He's trying to pump the, up the BYU schedule. The, I think the bigger question is, is the top of the Mountain West 
tougher than the bottom of the Pac-12. I would hope so. I would think but, most years it is. Or else you suck. But just because you're at the bottom right now, I mean, a couple of you have what? It just seems team like it was yesterday yeah, that the Utes were through. coming off two five and seven seasons. Yep. And now they're picked to be everybody's uh, favorite. So uh, you, you can you can go through that, uh, as you say, cycling. And, you know, maybe Tucker is the answer at Colorado and gets it back to where it used to be. Give him some time, you know, three games into his tenure here. So... The idea being that you should be playing as many of these teams. And when you schedule them, you schedule them. And then it's up to them to be good. You can't control that. Well, it looks like scheduling Boise State, Utah State, and San Diego State, they've gotten some good mountain That's ones. excellent. Right. And there's no guarantee that they're going to roll through that 3-0 just because they've beaten Tennessee and USC on consecutive weekends. No. I've got zero issues with their schedule this year. Those games are all completely watchable. I would prefer they not play a South Florida and Toledo. They'd play teams in the West, but... Even New Mexico or UNLV. Yes. Yes. you got to go get the bottom half of the Mountain West, so be it. Right. I, and I, that was what they pumped up. We'll play. Yeah, we travel the four corners of the country. Well, that's nice and all, but I just assume. What's the cumulative effect yeah. on the team over the course of the season from that? And what are you getting out of that? But, I mean, you have to schedule games, so they're, they're, they're doing the best they can with right. the scheduling. And some people say, we'll play you, but we got conference games there, so we're not doing that then. Right. That And that's where you see late October, November, you start seeing UMass because they're an independent. And, and I get that, yeah. They're, they're, the they're really hamstrung there. I, to, to me, this is the best schedule that they've had, certainly the best home schedule that they've had. And if they have a schedule akin to this going forward each season that they're in independence, I'm totally fine with it. Not that they care whether I'm fine with it or not. But, yeah, but they kind of do because you kind of represent the fan base. There are people more hardcore than you. There are people not as dedicated as you. If you find it interesting, there's a pretty well, good chance they, they that most of them do. I know they passionately care what I think. I know that. I find it somewhat amusing because well, I'm just a humble guy. Especially Tom and Kalani. I mean, just but they desperately want my approval. I understand that, and I just still think of my as a humble, average guy. But nevertheless, being a media superstar, you bear that burden. Tom's on the phone. Eight five five three four zero zone. Tom, good morning. Hey guys, and by the way, PK, you are not an average guy. You're a great guy, and you are—you uh, don't give yourself enough credit. I think you're way too humble. So it's uh, one of my better characteristics. So it just a, comes natural, Tom. And, and you know, it's—you know—it's called Jersey karma. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It's that Jersey charm. Right, and and, and, and I have it in abundance. Most people don't. Thank you, Tom. Exactly. I just wanted to make one point, and, I, and by the way, congrats to BYU for for beating USC. I think it's a great, great win. But I, I wanted to just make one point. The, the, I think the Pac-12 conference, even at the lower half, is a much harder uh, schedule than the lower half of the Mountain West. And the reason I say that is because you're probably, when you're playing teams like Oregon State and Arizona and um, you know UCLA, you're probably coming off having to play Washington, um, maybe Stanford, USC, and therefore you're probably beat up more than you would be normally in a Mountain West. And so, yeah, I think those those teams, although they're down, they still have comparable athletes, 
and they can still on any given day beat you. And if you're not 100% up and 100% healthy, uh, you're going to be in a fight for your life to win that game. So I understand where that last gentleman was talking about. Maybe the lower half of the Mountain West is better, but I don't think so because uh, of that point. It's so harder to win in the Pac-12 because you have better athletes. Oh, I totally agree. Thanks for the call, Tom, because you can rest, guys. The Utes just did it. They rested Fotu. They rested Blackman. Now, why are they resting those guys? So they're ready for Friday. And if they get guys hurt Friday and they can go, they're going the following eight days later against Washington State. There's no rest for the weary, whereas in your, there's a huge difference in the Mountain West from top to bottom, and you can rest, guys. You can, you can rest as many guys as you want against New Mexico. And you rest guys against Colorado, they're going to beat you. Uh-oh! Yeah. Gonna need gonna with a starting quarterback over there who's got a ton of experience. Mm-hmm. Gonna need everybody healthy in the secondary. You just can't rest Julian Blackman. You're gonna need him. Yeah. Now that's for them. They play him at the end of the season. So yep. uh, let's just say they'd already clinched. I suppose they could. Then rest they could them rest him for a conference for, title they, game yeah, the next but, week but if they've clinched. They play Colorado at the end because it's this great historic rivalry, and that's when you play at the end. The rest of them, like the Devils, have uh, Colorado this week. If you're a Devil fan. You're as nervous as all get out. You're 3-0. and You're riding high right now. You're ranked. Well, you were ranked last year, and you went and you lost a bunch of games. You got out of the rankings just as quick as you got in them. The same deal. You beat Michigan State. You got in the ranking, and then you lost, I think, the next week with San Jose State. Boom, you're out, and you never got back in. So as fast as it came, it can go. And Colorado is capable. The, the problem with playing Colorado, too, especially if you're somebody like the Sun Devils, I mean, to a lesser extent the Utes, you're not prolific offensively. They can put up 21 points and a half easily because they have a really good quarterback and a star receiver that's better than your quarterback, better than your receiver. They just are. So they're a dangerous team, and yet they're picked sixth. There's no team like that in the Mountain West that's going to be that good at the bottom. So you can't rest, you guys. And starting this week... Maybe, maybe Oregon State and maybe UC Los Angeles. You can rest, guys. Maybe. And it is an unusual year. They got double buys built in. So everybody's got that. Correct. The way the calendar fell. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a buy. uh, BYU and Utah both have buys the first week of October. How about that? The two Mormon schools not playing during the Mormon Religion Conference. There it is. You don't think that was on purpose? That was definitely on purpose. It was. That's what I'm saying. You think you think BYU they gave I mean excuse me you think Utah got a buy you think they said well we we know those most of those people go to church there I think from or at least they claim to go to church I think from year one there you go that was you were making way too much sense there for a while there's no pot stirring there's no you sarcasm to, you just had to jab no, yeah well he realized they've got my quota that's hold uh, on quota hold on hold on okay here well for recruiting purposes yeah 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 we we take that serious. Uh, from the day they got into the Pac-12, they made it clear that they were uh, really happy to host a Friday night game that the rest of the league wants to avoid like the plague on that Friday night or a bye. Why would they want to avoid that like the plague on that Friday night? Other teams in the league do not like playing Friday night games. Everybody has to because of the TV contract. And I think Chris Hill held up his hand immediately and said, we'll play weeknight games, the season opener, and the first weekend in October. So Give it to the us right Pac-12 now. is catering to the Latter-day Saints? 
No, I think the Pac-12 was happy to see someone raise their hand and volunteer because they weren't getting many volunteers for that. DJ, don't ruin the narrative. What, what are you? What in the heck are you saying? <laughs> what, what part of you don't understand? Everything. Chris Hill immediately volunteered. They needed to play a bunch of weeknight games, and nobody wanted to host a weeknight game. Everybody on campus complains about the traffic and the parking and blah, blah, blah. Is, got a you consider Friday night a weeknight? Yes. Aren't they all playing the same amount, though? I don't know that. I haven't gone back and added that up. So what was Chris Hill raising his hand for? We'll take two night games on weeknights, Thursday and Friday night games. At home, on our campus. And we'll deal with all the complaints about the parking. and Because people tailgate in places where people park. And you got people arriving early and people are trying to leave campus. There's a ton of complaints about Okay, but they, they only had one. They have, in fact, they have zero this year. They have zero this year. But when they first went in the league, they were, they were doing two. So... Two home games? And I think the contract's been reworked because the NFL, when they first started doing this, um, wasn't playing. I don't think they were playing every Thursday night yet. Now you're talking about the NFL. The NFL caters to the Latter-day Saints? No, you're just trying to be confusing now. (laughs) The NFL decided to put games on Big Fox on Thursday night. I thought they were going to streaming. Now they're playing it on Big Fox. I can't Uh, figure out what you're trying to say. I think you can. You told me, Jack, did he tell me that streaming's the wave of the future? He told me if I don't get on board soccer, right, Jake Scott? My career's going in the toilet. Now if I don't embrace See, you've changed streaming, the, this is what you I'm do. gone. You, you change the narrative. It's very good. What if is you go the narrative? Back and listen, if you go back and listen to the, what's it called? The narrator? The manifesto. The manifesto. The man- I was like, what? If you go oh, back and listen to the know. manifesto. I only reported what Jake Scott says, so don't blame <laughs> me. you got to talk to Jake Scott. Right. He's the one, because I turned it off. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, and I was insulted when you said, he's not here to interrupt me now, and my feelings were crushed, so I was busy crying the rest of the manifesto. I had to rely on Jake Scott reporting it to me. You were not. You were rubbing your hands together. Radio gold. I've got radio Jake gold. Scott, you're arguing with Jake Scott right now because Jake says you said that if you don't embrace soccer, your career in journalism, sports journalism, is going in the toilet. That's what you said. Three of the four Saturday shows, which is what I was talking about, are gone. You're just no, making up other it. stuff at this point. I love point. it. He goes into no, defense mode. Yeah. You're just making stuff up. Lincoln Kennedy. My day is made. Yeah, it really is. It can rain all day. Lincoln Kennedy. Totally screw up your golf game and you don't care. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks and Raider Analyst, joins us next. Get the lowdown on Utah and USC. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Odell Beckham Jr., the signature one-handed catch to set up a first and goal. He had an 89-yard catch and run for a touchdown, and he wins in his return to MetLife Stadium. The former Giant helping the Cleveland Browns defeat the New York Jets 23-3. Jets down to their third-string quarterback after Trevor Trevor Simeon suffered an ankle injury. Luke Falk, Logan Highgrad, Washington State Cougar came in and finished the game. New England Patriots wide receiver Antonio Brown denying new allegations of sexual misconduct with a female artist in his Pennsylvania home in 2017 after the allegations were detailed in a Sports Illustrated piece this week. Cubs win their fifth straight game and beat the Reds 8-2. They're two games behind the Cardinals in the National League Central. 
Top of the Wire brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car to curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just up I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. There were a lot of players who had really good moments in that game. You know, Wilson was a stud. Tyson Williams is coming into form. But to me, I was blown away by the overall dominating nature of Kairos Tonga in that game. Like, he was a man among boys. And you take a four- or five-star center, and he was getting walked in that backfield time and time again. I hope somebody in Legends Hall has a horse tenderloin on the grill for Mr. Tonga because he earned it. What is this, Mr. Chef? This is the third day of the week. <laughs> well, this is shredded horse. Yesterday was horse roast. Yeah, but I wasn't really sure about the horse brisket. Well, tomorrow we're having horse rump, so get used to it. Kairos likes it. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks analysts, join us right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset, get an iPad for $99.99, visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Gentlemen, good morning to you. How are you today? We are doing well. We are at an unusual point in the local college football schedule where BYU and Utah are playing the same opponent two weeks in a row. What did you make of the BYU-USC game? And then we'll, later on we'll get to how that informs you about the Utah-USC game. Well, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see it because I was, I was doing the Cal game. But, I mean, I was watching from the, the highlight. It wasn't Overall, it wasn't a, a great weekend for um, uh, the Pac-12, uh, though the win from a Michigan State, Arizona State standpoint was a, was a good feeling. But it wasn't, it wasn't a tremendous weekend. But, you know, here's the thing. Slovis came out the week before, and everyone had routed and raved what he was able to do at Stanford. And they said, okay, USC's back on track. And then you have this, this little hiccup. So it's one of those things that happened. It's going to happen with a young quarterback once you get some film uh, people get some film on you they're going to know what you do well they're going to know where you probably have weaknesses and figure out different ways of attack you so I still haven't watched the film yet I got a lot of catching up to do I've been busy over the weekend but uh, but uh, it's unfortunate that SCA dropped it yeah what BYU did is they dropped eight and tried to confuse the kid and bait him into throwing into coverages and that's what happened on a couple of their okay. interceptions the last one was a tip in uh, overtime that the, the kid was able to scoop before it hit the ground and, and and that ends up being the game. I'm wondering, you know, with Utah's defense, they rely a lot on man-to-man, maybe some zone coverage here and there, and they looked at what BYU did. Do you think that they follow that pattern and try to confuse the kid, or can Harrell and the guys at SC get this kid up to snuff to be able to be better mentally, not necessarily physically, but mentally? Well, you know, it's sort of a new thing, the whole drop eight thing. Once upon a time, coaches, you know, had a philosophy, especially with young or, you know, new quarterbacks, to blitz them, to give them pressure, put a lot of pressure on them to make them get rid of the ball quickly. Um, and that sometimes can work against, work for you, but in, in SC's case, because they have so many skilled athletes surrounding, sometimes that can work against you. You put man-on-man coverage uh, and you get burned and stuff like that. So, that. so now the new thing is to drop eight and either run some bracket coverage double coverages, that type of things, or some wide zones to really confuse the, the quarterbacks. Um, I, I would think that you'd probably take bits and pieces of that but still remain true to who you are because, you know, let's face it, every team is different. So if one team runs a lot of zone coverage and another team runs a lot of man coverage, you can't expect that man coverage team to run a lot of zone out of the blue and vice versa. 
How frustrating is a former offensive lineman is it when things aren't going well for your team, they're rushing three, and you're like, I can't really dominate the game. We're not, they're not running behind me. I mean, yeah, I can go over here and help pass block this guy, but my teammates actually got this guy pretty much locked up. That, that would seem weird. Well, it's not necessarily frustrating because you just want to win. But at the same point, you know, as an offensive lineman, whenever they rush three, I'm looking to the sidelines, like, why aren't we running on them? You know what I mean? If, if you know they're going to bring three, why aren't we running on them? And so then when you have sort of the um, – uh, you, you had a number of teams going with like the 3-3-5 three, three, defense that mm-hmm. seems to be running rampant a little bit, and they're bringing almost like a hybrid 4-3, depending on uh, how they do it, um, bringing a rusher from a different angle just to try to confuse offensive schemes. Um, it becomes a little bit different. But the big thing on the three-man rush is that you know it was it was widely known that there should not should not give up a sack. Quarterback should have eternity to sit back there uh, on a three-man rush because you have five offensive linemen. You generally keep a back in at times, so then you double-team each down lineman, and the quarterback should have all day to find somebody open. So I went and covered the USC press conference after the game, and ta- uh, Clay Helton couldn't have been more upbeat as far as a loss. You know, this is not this is one long non-conference game. I believe in this team. This is a special team. We got special guys. All this positivity, and then somebody asked him about the noise in at Los Angeles. You know, being an SC coach, and he said, "Well, we live in Los Angeles, California. There's always a lot of damn noise." And, and you know, and, and I chuckled when he said that because it's true. But I'm just wondering how much of that stuff takes its toll on the team because now they're 2-1, and one, they drop out of the rankings, we know the AD's gone, all the other stuff that they've had. It seems like, man, there's so much pressure on these guys that I would think it's got to have some kind of impact. Well, I mean, you, what you always have to remember is that we're talking about young men, a lot of times 18 to 21-year-olds. And so this is their first, probably one of their first, uh, you know, true uh, introductions to spotlight or fame, or, if, you, if you will. Um, but you go to SC for that. I, I think that guys that choose to go to SC know that they're going to be um, on, on the you know, forefront of being talked about in every conversation when it comes to college football. And this is no different. Uh, I think SC is fortunate enough to be in a position where they're two and one, especially after losing your quarterback the first, you know, in the first game. But at the more importantly, you know, there's it's good for the Pac-12 that SC is relevant in the conversation because I think Utah should take it on the chin. The fact that they're the tenth ranked team and they're still, you know, um, underdog by four points, even though they're going to SC. You see what I mean? So. Um, uh, it, you know, to me, it's one of those things where you just you take the challenge for what it is, and you want to go out there and smack somebody in the mouth, and you can't wait to do it. So when you see the youth getting ready for USC, if you had one or two things you could put in the game plan, what would you absolutely do if you were Utah? Well, you want to control the clock. You want to do what Utah does best, and that's run the football. And then you want to open some things up and play action because what you want to do is you want to have USC defensively trying to commit it to take Zach Moss out of the out of the out of the you know, the equation and try to make Huntley a one-dimensional player. Um, and then that's when you want to torture him on the back end with play action and take some deep shots to remain to tell USC that you have to remain honest on defense. You do what you do best. I mean, you, you play a, you play a no-nonsense type of style of defense where you know you're gonna you're gonna do uh, you're gonna try to get pressure on the quarterback and occasionally bring blitz and depending on your game plan and what you learn from the BYU game uh, you try to implement some things to keep Slovis but you also know that um, USC is going to work on those things because now once you put it on film that you have trouble with it you better find a way to defend it or defeat it um, because uh, you know other teams are going to do it. 
So we spend all off season in the summer trying to predict what's going to happen. You know, when you're just barely into it now, there's been a couple of league games. And I think mm-hmm. you can make the assertion, oh, Stanford's not as good. Cal's a little bit better. Maybe ASU's a little bit better. Anything else that I'm missing based on what we thought going into the season? No. I mean, I think the big one is Cal. I think a lot of people are surprised by Cal, but I'm not. Coming into this this year, I, I thought this Cal was taking more and more of the identity of Justin Wilcox defensively. And when you have a defense, you really do have a chance. And they're going to disrupt a lot of things. Look, their offense isn't up to par, but right now, you know, the fact that Cal's undefeated and they have already taken down Washington, uh, they've got a somewhat favorable schedule. They can be looking to, to, to make some noise in the north that most people really didn't give credit for. Um, but I, I still think Wazoo's Wazoo. I think Washington has holes, and as you mentioned with Stanford, that's just the north. Uh, in the south, I, I think ASU is going to be um, a fit for you know Utah because notoriously they have been. Utah's had its troubles with the Sun Devils, so the fact that ASU is undefeated right now uh, bodes well for their confidence going into the conference play as well. So ASU, two of the three games were scheduled wins, but then the Michigan State wins, really impressive. The Spartans were yeah. ranked in all of that. Three straight games given up seven points. Is this uh, too small a sample size, especially given those first two games, or has ASU got one of the best defenses the Pac-12 has seen in a long time? I think it's too small of a sample size because I always think that when, it, when football season starts um, – Defenses generally have a little bit more of an advantage over offenses because offenses don't typically get into a rhythm after they play a little bit of football. I mean, sometimes you see guys come out like gangbusters and they look, you know, unstoppable. But for the most part, I think defenses have the advantage. With that being said, when you're talking about the three teams that ASU played against, I mean, they're not necessarily offensive juggernauts. Um, ASU doesn't take anything away from them. ASU did play some good football and has played some good football. Um, They've got some playmakers, especially the secondary. I think the strength of that defense is that secondary with the experience and the ability to be able to play man-on-man coverages out, uh, you know, um, on the outside. I think Manny Gonzalez, the defensive coordinator, knows what he's got and definitely knows how to use it. So um, I think ASU's defense is really good, but the sample size is awfully small to to, to, to make a true uh, impression or uh, indication of how their season is going to go. How about Washington with Eason? You know, I don't know what to make of him because against the lesser teams, he's played well in the one game that they yeah. had, which was a crazy game with all the, the starting way late, ending in literally in the morning. And, you know, he's coming to Provo this week. I'm, I'm still not really sure what I've got out of Washington's offense. You know, here's the thing, and I can only imagine how this, is, you know, might affect him. A quarterback is, you know, transfer. Comes out of the state of Washington, goes to Georgia, which is something you don't see a lot of. But then all of a sudden, he comes back in a, in a transfer portal to to play behind a quarterback who, as a four year starter, Browning had tremendous success. So, in, in leading Washington and, and the number of wins and stuff like that, there's got to be a lot of pressure. I, I got to imagine there's got to be some pressure to make those plays. More importantly, the spotlight right now is really big on Washington, um, especially after the Cal loss. A lot of people want to sort of scratching their heads to see what type of team this is. And you're, you know, you're led, led by your quarterback and your head coach. So there's got to be some pressure on Easton really to, to make those plays. I think he's capable. He has a strong arm. I'm just questioning the talent around him as far as the skill positions go. If they're overall over, overly capable. Now, you know, when you, when you talk about the, the conference play and stuff like that, for example, it's going to help 
ASU and Washington to not have to play each other because I think ASU's secondary could really shut down Washington. Uh, and more importantly, I don't know if, um, if they got their running game um, started up to par that night in Harrod ASU. So I think that you know, plays out. But to answer your question where Easton is right now, I still think it's too early. I'm The jury's out. I've watched two games. i got to watch the third one um, and it's shortly here this week. Yeah. But uh, I haven't seen enough of a sample size to say that only he's really the truth or he's going to be the, the future for the Huskies. I don't know how much you know about football in Texas and Houston and Friday night, Washington State started slow but finished pretty strong and ended up winning that game to get 3-0. and They ought to beat UCLA. They're looming for the Utes. Uh, what's, uh, they play end of September, I guess, so it'll be the fifth uh-huh. game. New Mexico State and Northern Colorado didn't tell us anything. How much do we know about Washington State and how much are they going to be 4-0 and really pretty unknown coming in to play Utah? Wazoo is what Wazoo, the air raid offense, are going to put up a lot of points. I mean, you basically saw two mirror offenses in that Wazoo-Houston game. Um, uh, and, and Wazoo was able to take control over miscues by Houston and, and just separate themselves. But it is what it is. Now, this offense comes into uh, some trouble or when it gets the weather gets bad. You know, it starts to go south. That's where you see it. And more importantly, for Wazoo standards, because the fact they haven't been able to beat Washington for the last, what, six years, whatever it is, um, that, you know, you can have all the cloud in the world, but they can't close the door. And that's why we use the frame they cooked it at one point or another. Uh, Washington is one of those teams that, I mean, Washington State's one of those teams that I think is going to be a one or two lost team by the by the by the end of the day, and it might even be on a, you know the forefront of challenging for a Pac-12 or playing in the Pac-12 championship. But until we see Wazoo finish, you know we really don't know what to make of the team because their offense looks like they're unstoppable at times, and then the weather gets bad, and then they look like they can't you know they can't even get a first down. <laughs> That's extreme. <laughs> it is. <laughs> when you look at it right now, and obviously it's still early, and it's just mm-hmm. complete uh, speculation and just guessing, but as far as the playoff would go, do you list anybody besides Utah as a potential? I think I, – I, I honestly think when it comes to the Pac-12 representing – it's going to be tough. This last week was really, really hard for the Pac-12. Now, look, depending on how this all falls out, if Utah runs the table, I think Utah really has to play someone uh, someone who's, who's climbed up in the ranks, obviously, in the mid-teens. I don't know if, uh, if Utah continues to win. Yes, they'll break into the top ten, which will bode well. But... With only with the limited amount of teams that are going on, Utah has to play someone really, really strong in the North. And unfortunately, the way it sits right now, let's just say let's say Utah plays Cal in the Pac-12 championship. I don't think that'll be a strong enough game to get them in the playoff. Um, uh, even if they even even if they win, um, you really got to play someone. Either Oregon or a Wazoo or Washington has really got to you know come and set themselves out in the, in the north, uh, set themselves apart from the north, and you got to have a, a top caliber game in order to to get some some notice. But even that's going to be tough because I still think a lot of the focus is on the east and the Midwest. So if we if you you play the game as far as spots go. Isn't it probably a foregone conclusion to say Alabama and Clemson are going to be there? That's two spots. The way Oklahoma's playing, that's three spots. And probably the, 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 the third spot, the, probably the way that who's ever coming out of the Big Ten um, or Notre Dame is going to take up the fourth. It's just not enough spots. 
Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks analyst, joins us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And uh, you also do the Oakland Raider games. And so i got to ask you one NFL question before I let you go. You watched Mahomes just go nuts in the second quarter. I mean, that was outrageous. (laughs) Who does he compare with in NFL? I mean, it's early, I know, but in his career. But who do you think he compares with? Who's his, uh, you know... You know, I don't know if there's ever been anyone like him. He has a quick release like Marino. Um, he has the playmaking ability of an Elway. I think he's got just the overall smarts, uh, football acumen of a Steve Young. I mean, it's a common. I've seen all the three of those quarterbacks and played against all of them, and it was a while. But Patrick Mahomes, and I said this on my broadcast Sunday, when he's back to pass, I literally hold my breath. And it can't wait to see what he does. I mean, he went off, and the thing was, in, in that watching that game, a lot of those touchdowns he threw in the second quarter, there weren't bad coverage. There was one, obviously, a blown coverage and stuff like that, but they weren't bad coverage. The defensive position, uh, player was in position. Patrick Mahomes is, one, fearless, and, two, he's incredibly talented. And by far the best thing that I've ever seen him do was this past Sunday he was running to his right, and he threw back across his body a strike between two Raider defenders and hit the receiver in the chest 25 yards downfield. I've never seen that. I have never seen anybody move and have be that accurate, but I think it's a lot to do with that baseball background. And as I said, he's fearless. There's, there's really nothing you can do. Now, you talk about, we talked about, you know, rushing three or putting pressure. If you, if you rush three and drop back, he's going to find time. He's so accurate, even down the field, late down the field, far down the field, he can pick you apart. If you blitz him and you put one-on-one coverage with the playmakers he has out there, you're going to get torched too because there's no one who can cover Travis Kelsey, you know, and Robinson and all the other guys that they've got going in. And now, you know, LaShawn McCoy is added to the mix. I mean, they've got some arsenal. So that's why you see teams like New England did what they did and put up with uh, Antonio Brown because they need to have playmakers that complement Kansas City because they know it's going to be a shootout when they see each other in the AFC Championship. Lincoln, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks, and Oakland Raider analyst right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I've got a pathway to the playoff for the Utes. I want to hear it. We'll get to that next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, PK, just going into the break there, you said you have a path for the Utes to the playoffs because we were just talking with Lincoln Kennedy, and Lincoln's theory is basically there's already six teams for four spots before you get to the Pac-12. And sure, there'll be upsets, and that'll knock off one or two of those things, but he thinks the four spots are pretty much spoken for. The SEC champ, Bammer, Georgia. Clemson's going to run the table in the ACC. I think everyone assumes that, whether it's true or not. That's what everyone assumes. Ohio State and Oklahoma to win their conferences. Got to look at Notre Dame, too. They got a big game with Georgia this week. Boise to win the Mount West. Um, he didn't bring that up. So when you said that, I spent the break thinking, what has PK cooked up? The path for the Utes to the playoff. Mm -hmm. And I only see one. Go undefeated. I still have a hard time believing an undefeated Power 5 team would be left out. Whether they would have to edge out a one-loss Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ohio State, whatever. Yeah, I think they could. Really? An undefeated Pac-12 team, 13-0 left out. The scenario there would be that the other teams in the conference have multiple losses. Two or three losses. So the Pac-12 North winner is 6-3. and Because I think one thing that's helping them right now, yeah, well, I see what you're saying about that, will the North beat itself up, is there are six ranked teams. Big deal. 
That's not so now. The Utes would have to beat some ranked teams along the way. Now, maybe that would knock some of them out, to your point, as they beat each other up. So I think the path is <clears throat> right now, there's one other team ranked in the north, uh, South, and that's the Devils. So you, when you play the Devils, I think it's the third week of October, October 19th. So when you play those guys, they haven't lost. So they come in, uh, is it like the sixth, seventh game, somewhere in there? So they come in undefeated. Now, obviously, you are too. And they come in undefeated, and you beat them in a close game. Right? It said your home stadium should be favored. So, and they have a really good D, and so it's hard to score, and they have no O, so it's hard for them to score. <laughs> so, uh, you have a hard fought game, and it's close, you know, 24 17, say. And then they go out, and they don't lose the rest of the way. So the undefeated youths beat once beaten ASU, hang right. the Devils with their only loss. Yeah. Right, and that's so. I would say SC, but they would have had a, another. They've already lost. They're probably going to lose Notre Dame. I don't know. So they're going to have too many losses. So it's not going to be right. as impressive. And you would be giving them a third one. Mm-hmm. Maybe as you would give them a fourth one. Yeah. Right. So you have to eliminate them, and I don't think anybody else is capable of doing that right now. So you put the you have the Devils do really really well, but you beat and them. And the Devils would have quality wins over Oregon and Cal under your yeah. scenario. They don't play Washington. And then you have Oregon only lose that one game because you're not playing Oregon, so you can't give them a second loss. So basically, you take what I said. Utah's got to be undefeated, but then you underline, even that might not be good enough, but Oregon and ASU have a chance to only have one-loss teams. Right. So, so at this point, you probably got three Pac-12 teams in the top ten, because if you're one loss right. at that point. Well, Oregon would have two overall, but I'm just speaking confidence. Oh, you're right, because they dropped the Auburn game. Yeah. You're right. Okay. But since you don't play them, you can't give them another loss. And it looks better because it's not, well, you're beating a team for the second time. Where everyone says, oh, that league's no good. Or put in Cal. And you're beating Cal for the second time? Because Utah's got to beat Cal, and then they have to beat him again but in Cal the conference would, title game? Yeah, and it gets a little dicey there. But I prefer Oregon. Oregon is my scenario. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Kent... Joins us right now from Technoglass, and he's got a deal for you. Kent? Good morning, guys, and uh, also good morning to all Zone listeners out there. Technoglass, again, has an amazing deal for your listeners until noon today. And believe me, folks, it doesn't get any better than this. $99 windshield, $75 labor install. Over 85% of the vehicles qualify. And also comes with those famous Technoglass warranties everybody's talking about, the free rock chip repair for life, and that one-year no-hassle breakage guarantee. Now, this deal is available at all Technoglass locations statewide. You don't have to get it done today to get that $99 windshield. All you have to do is call before noon and schedule at your convenience. $99 windshield, $75 labor install. Call right now to get that $99 windshield. 801-562-2200. 801-562-2200. Back to you guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Kent. 
Technoglass. They got the 12-month breakage guarantee, and it's available at all their locations. Call 801-562-2200. 801-562-2200.